This is season two of Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. We begin today reading A Practical Treatise of Fear by beloved English Puritan John Flavel. Chapter 1. Wherein the text and context are opened, the doctrines propounded, and the general method stated. Say ye not, a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread and he shall be for a sanctuary. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12, 13, part of verse 14. There is not more diversity found in the outward features than in the inward tempers and dispositions of men. Some are as timorous as hares and start at every sound or yelp of a dog. Others as bold as lions and can face dangers without trembling. Some fear more than they ought, and some before they ought, and others when they ought not at all. The carnal person fears man, not God. The strong Christian fears God, not man. The weak Christian fears man too much, and God too little. There is a fear which is the effect of sin springing from guilt and hurrying the soul into more guilt, and there is a fear which is the effect of grace, springing for our love to God and his interest, and driving the soul to God in the way of duty. The less fear any man hath, the more happiness, except it be of that fear which is our happiness and our excellency. It cannot be said of any man, as it is said of Leviathan, Job 41.33, that he is made without fear. Those that have most fortitude are not without some fears. And when the church is in the storms of persecution and almost covered with the waves, the stoutest passengers in it may suffer as much from this boisterous passion within as from the storm without, and all for want of thoroughly believing or not seasonably remembering that the Lord High Admiral of all the ocean and commander of all the winds is on board the ship to steer and preserve it in the storm. A pregnant instance hereof is furnished to our hands in this context, where you find the best men trembling in expectation of the worst events, both on the church in general and themselves in particular. Their hearts were moved like the trees of the wood shaken with the wind, chapter 7, verse 2. And indeed, if their dangers were to be measured by sense only, their fears were not above the value of the cause. Yea, their danger seemed to exceed their fears. For it was the invasion of a foreign and cruel enemy, even the Assyrian, who were to break in upon them, like a breach of the sea, and overflow the land of Emmanuel, 
Verse 7, The Lord bringeth up upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory, and he shall come up over all his channels and go over all his banks. And as the seventh verse resembles the enemy to waters, which quickly drown the country into which they break, so the eighth verse tells you how far they should prevail and how near it should come to a general and total ruin. He shall pass through Judah, he shall overthrow and go over, he shall reach even to the neck, and the stretching out of his wings shall fill the breadth of thy land, O Emmanuel. All the body shall be under water, except the capital city, which remained above water. Having thus described the power and success of the invading enemy in the ninth and 10th verses, he derides their plots and combinations, assuring them that although God for just and holy ends would permit them for a time to afflict his people, yet the issue of all these counsels and cruelties should recoil upon themselves and end in their own ruin and confusion. And therefore, and thereupon, Isaiah is commanded to encourage the feeble and trembling hearts of such as feared God in those distracting and frightful times. Verses 11, 12, 13. The Lord spake unto me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy, etc. God speaking to the prophet by a strong hand imports the strong and mighty impression that was made upon his heart by the spirit of prophecy, wherein the Lord did, as it were, lay his hand upon him, as a man doth upon one to whom he is about to impart some special secret in a familiar way, QD, come hither, Isaiah, drawing him to him at the same instant with a friendly hand. Take deep notice of what I am now to give thee in charge both with respect to thyself and my elect people that follow thee. Say not ye a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy, i.a. Let not these frightful tidings work upon you as they do upon Ahaz and the common multitude with him who are so terrified and scared with the approaching dangers that all their counsels, thoughts, and studies are taken up in preventing it by making a confederacy or league with the Assyrian, Hosea 5.13, or if that cannot be, then with some foreign power that may secure them against the Assyrian. But their eyes are not at all to me for protection and deliverance. They expect more from Egypt than from heaven, from a broken reed than from the rock of ages. Fear not you their fear, their fear drives them from God to the creature. It first distracts them and then ensnares them. But on the contrary, see that thou and all the faithful in the land with thee do sanctify me in your hearts and make me your fear and your dread, i.e. rely upon me by faith in this day of trouble and see that you give me the glory of my wisdom power and faithfulness by relying entirely upon those my attributes 
engaged for you in so many tried promises. And do not betake yourselves to such sinful and vain shifts as those do that have no interest in me nor experience of me. This is the general scope and design of the text, wherein more particularly you have, number one, an evil practice prohibited. Number two, an effectual remedy prescribed. Number three, a singular encouragement to apply that remedy. includes part one of John Flavel's A Practical Treatise of Fear.